Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks and welcome to Check this, the 100th episode of the Sales Chat Show. Gentlemen, we are 100 episodes old. How cool is that? Fantastic. There you go. So, Mr. Graham Jones, Phil Jess and Simon Hazeldean from Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. So, what are we going to talk about in our 100th episode? We are going to talk about... Are you making it difficult for your customers to buy from you? I was working with a client in the IT industry recently, and they shared a piece of research they had seen that in the IT industry, and I guess this will probably apply to some other industries as well, that 20% of lost deals or deals that stalled in the pipeline and obviously we all know the longer a deal stalls in the pipeline, the less likely it is to come off were not the result of competitors or anything that the customer did. They were a result of overly complicated internal policy and procedures. In short, 20% of those lost deals were the fault of the supplier. That's kind of scary. One in five of your deals, ladies and gentlemen, if that if that data applies to your industry, and uh, I think it would apply to a lot of B2B and possibly also some B2C as well, are the are your fault? That's quite that's quite <laughs> terrifying. How how difficult is it for people to spend money with you? I know we were chatting before this. We were recording this episode just the anecdotally the number of occasions we found it quite hard to buy from suppliers or people. They didn't return messages. You send them an email. You the, there's no one on the other end of the chat function, or there's no buy now button. I know it's a full monogram. How I'd love to spend money, but I can't. So. Folks, what what are your thoughts, Mr. Jess and Mr. Jones? I will give you my first pet hate, which is why my voice has gone up. (laughs) Uh, For the first time in my life, actually, I am on a repeat prescription from the doctors. And I've had some very interesting experiences with the system. (laughs) Whether it be the online ordering system or indeed the telephone system, that gives me eight different options before I get to the one I'm actually after. So what I thought would be a one-minute, two-minutes-at-most process the other day actually took me 12 minutes to complete a very, very simple ordering process. So the question I would ask our listeners is how customer-friendly are the systems within your business, not necessarily the skills within your business, but how customer-friendly are the systems? It's not just systems, it's attitude, because only the other day I was in a coffee shop. I can't possibly say which coffee shop it is, but it wasn't Starbucks, and it's just been bought by Coca-Cola. So, um, (laughs) you know, work it out. But uh, I was the only customer in there. It was 6.30 in the evening, and they closed at 7. So uh, I was going to an evening meeting and I thought I'll just grab a quick coffee before I head off to the meeting and I turn up uh, there were two members of staff behind the counter 
and uh, one was washing up and the other one was doing I don't know what just kind of loitering and they saw me come in and I stood there and I waited and I waited and I waited and not one of them said anything to me not one of them offered to serve me a coffee and I stood there for about a minute and uh, neither of them did anything the guy washing up carried on washing up even though he could see me because I was right in front of him and I went okay you obviously don't want to sell me a coffee and I walked out and went to a different coffee shop further down the road a little independent one who got my business so that is classic old sales stuff isn't it around the customer is the purpose of your business you yeah. know they're not an interruption there's an old quote somewhere customer's not an interruption to your day they are the purpose yeah. of your of your day you know and if the customer wants to speak to you they need to be able to speak to you if you know you've offer a chat function please make sure it works and there's somebody available to to do that and old stuff, old classic stuff, answer the phone quickly. Make yeah. a minimum number of choices to route people through to the right to the right person. And when you do pick up the phone, make the customer sound like they're welcome. Yeah. Because you know? they've customers now have many, many, many choices. But there is also the impact more and more now of speed as well, because people are wanting to get things done quickly. Yeah. And certainly some research from Vodafone I saw three or four years ago around how long people were prepared to wait if they'd left a message for someone to return. I think the example, the question that was asked of businesses was a print supplier, I think, if I recall. How long would you wait after leaving a message before you went on to someone else? And every year the Vodafone ran this research, the amount of time people would wait was shooting yeah. down. And the younger the respondent, the less time they were prepared to wait. So, you know, speed's the need. You just yeah. have to be prepared because people can go online and buy things yeah. very quickly. I think that's an interesting point. And um, I, I read somewhere recently that uh, the marketing experts uh, have changed the manual. And years ago, if you think of the marketing mix, as it used to be called, uh, it would include things like the product, or the price, or the packaging, the distribution channel or whatever. Uh, but speed has now been added to the marketing mix as a component part all on its own. And quite rightly so. And there's a tons of data around first respondent wins the business. The first salesperson to come back often wins yep. the business. You know, I think that's probably a psychological effect as much as anything, as much as anything else. But also if you're first responder, the questions you ask, you can shape the customer's perception of their need, which then can nuance it in your favour versus versus yep. the competition. I think one of the other things that I've noticed in my observation of written proposals or presentations that salespeople have carried out and delivered is that many of them have got some interesting material in there, but very few have got compelling evidence. And there is a difference between the two. Uh, so the question I would ask is, with your proposals, with your presentations, is there compelling evidence in there? Is it strong enough? to encourage the customer to go ahead? Or are we actually making it difficult for the customer to buy simply mm. because we have not got enough compelling evidence about the benefits of the proposition on offer? Well, if you're not successfully selling the benefits to use old school parlance that you're bringing to the customer you are making it difficult for them to buy from you because you're not giving them enough compelling yeah, reasons quite. to do so. If it's a no-brainer 
they'll spend their they'll spend their money with you. Well, if you think about that old model from the uh, the fifties, uh, AIDA, AIDA, attention, mm. interest, desire, and action. Um, many things that I've observed. Uh, yes, the A has been right. A salesperson has grabbed the attention in some way, shape, or form. They've aroused interest, but that's really where it stopped. Uh, they've not moved through the presentation or the proposal or their skills across the desk face-to-face. They've not moved from interest to create that desire. And, and I think also part linked to that is is the follow-up you're providing. So if you do get that desire, you do get the action initially, do you follow up well? Do you, If you say you're going to send them a pricing proposal, how quickly do they get the pricing proposal? If you said you'll phone back with some additional information, do you do it? I mean, we all, we all nod, I'm getting nods all around the table here as we're recording this. We're all sitting, we've all been sitting waiting for stuff that's never turned up. We don't, we don't contract with those people because the way you behave in your selling process is the way the customer thinks you're going to be to do business with when, when you, they start contracting with you. So if your selling process is all over the place, you know why would they why would they do it you know it's just make it very very easy for them to spend their money with you and you'll probably win an absolute rock load of business versus the, some of your competitors out there it's actually quite quite poor uh, any other thoughts folks i think sometimes um salespeople, and i'm sure i've done it myself we we can sometimes make it difficult for customers by going for the big one rather than identifying the line of least resistance uh, maybe selling that initial product line rather than all five. Yep. And making sure that we get up and running yep. before we then try and grow the account. But sometimes salespeople are under pressure to get in there and sell the whole product family. That, that's, uh, that, that might you know be, why that is, though? That's because they get more commission for the £50,000 sale than the £5,000 sale. So I refer you back to one of our episodes which says you shouldn't have sales commission because it works against you. It was a controversial episode. It was indeed. It was a controversial (laughs) debate. Make sure you listen to that. Sales commission, is it a blessing or a curse? He's he's getting very animated again. Oh, here we go again, (laughs) Phil. So, you know, (laughs) when I become Prime Minister, sales commission is going to be banned by law. Um, but also, so it is simple things that people forget. So uh, I had a company come to me recently saying that they weren't getting many sales from their website. And so I looked at their website and I said, well, where's your phone number? And they hadn't got their phone number on their website. And I said, well, how can people contact you if you have it? They said, well, there's a form to fill in. And I, Well, they're not going to fill in a form just to ring you to ask Love about that. the service that you provide well, have a form yeah. to fill in for the people who like Quite, filling yeah. out forms yeah. have chat for people yeah. who like chat yeah. and have you a should ton provide of everything yeah. 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 we so, don't dictate to our customers no. how they like yeah. to communicate so, so there was no phone number um, and then another company uh, I was doing a review of their website for them and they were saying you know that uh, not many people were clicking the buy now button. Well, the buy now button was way, way, way down the bottom of the page. <laughs> you know, so people were having to scroll to find it. And so, you know, you need the buy now button repeated throughout the page. You need it visible when they first land on the page. Those calls to action. That you, so you're making it too difficult for people to buy because you're 
putting the buy now button in the wrong place. So it's that easy, easy to buy. Yeah. And, and back to Phil's comment, if easy for them is to place the initial order and they're very happy to do so, don't lose that initial order, yeah. for, particularly in B2B. Get on the books as a supply. In some larger companies, you have to have a supplier number and all the yeah. admin has to be taken care of. Then you're on the books. That's hurdle number one. Revenue with the client, if it's £5,000 or $5,000, you can then go for the fifty thousand yep. dollars once you're on the books. A land and expand strategy. Yep. Sprite you know, to catch a better word. Yes, and yep. it's just get on the books. You know, it works works very well for me. Get in there first, then you've got something to go back and talk to them yeah, about, quite. and then you, then you expand further. And another thing I can think of that sometimes goes wrong is where organisations have four or five of their people that are in contact with the customer at any one time. Uh, very often, of course, uh, organisations that are product-based, where they might have product managers or product yeah. sales teams, mm -hmm. and sure enough, they all operate independently of each other. So before long, the customer is bewildered by five different people coming along to see them and will actually say to salesman A, well, I had your colleague salesman B in here yesterday. How come you don't talk to... That's the sort of thing I'm, I'm talking about. So it is about saying to the customer, how do you like to work with your suppliers and if the customer was to say well I only want to work with one person from your organization then somebody has to step forward and be that spokesman on behalf of colleagues who are involved but they're no longer frontline. I had a client who sell into the public sector and they calculated that they could have six different um, salespeople from six different business units potentially calling on the same public sector <laughs> organisation on the same day. I rest my case. Is is which is and and, and that you've got to go. Mm, if they've got a centralised procurement function, yeah. the lady or gentleman in procurement is going to start to get a little bit grumpy, it, it, a little bit happens, unhappy. You know? It happens everywhere. I've 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 done a fair amount of work in the tyre industry. It's notorious for that. A salesperson selling truck tyres, a salesperson selling car tyres, a salesperson selling industrial tyres i.e. forklift trucks. Uh, and, and again, the same thing can happen. All the turning up the, of the customer, These yeah. are people who are in the same office very often, and yet they are product experts, and that's not necessarily what the customer But I bet, I bet when you worked with those tyre companies that they had a mantra, and their mantra was, you know what we do as a business? We focus on the customer. Yeah. And <laughs> How often have you heard that? <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> they just tick the box saying we're focusing on the customer. What they're doing is focusing on their internal systems yeah. rather than the... So what they need is one salesperson who knows everything there is to know about every kind of tyre. I'm, I'm sure everybody uh, listening to us will have their own view of the questions that a salesperson should ask when meeting a prospect for the first time. But I think one of those questions which deserves to be in that opening batch of half a dozen questions is when you work with organizations like us what is important to you yeah. and we really find out how the customer wants to work in the future and where face-to-face -face contact or emails or technical speak or whatever features in that relationship. It almost sounds to me like these customers need some key account management. It's funny you should mention that. Uh, do we know anyone 
don't know. Is We're, a bit of an expert on, on the topic. I'll just look on the internet. Have a, see if you can find. Yeah. See if I say probably somebody like Mr. Phil Jessen, who who with a gentleman called David Ventura, who has been a guest on the Sales Chat Show, Absolutely. has encapsulated in his latest book, Top Ten Tips for Your Top Ten Customers. Just thought I would give Mr. Jessen and Mr. Ventura's book a little plug uh, on the. Well, I'm glad you've done that, not me. Thank you. Uh, how, how easy is it to buy that book? By the way, is it made easy for people? Extremely easy. Straight to Amazon. There it is. Get that. Get that bad boy. That's going to be dropping through your letterbox sales chat show listeners very, very quickly. Some some closing thoughts. I was listening um, uh, a while ago to some uh, audio uh, by a guy called Robert Ringer, an American guy, very, very popular entrepreneur, sort of 70s, 80s, I think. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Ringer, I've, I've captured your, your decades correctly. And I remember him, he was using an American football analogy that if the ball is a yard from the line, carry it over the line yourself. And I think that's a really important thing for us to think about is make sure the deal gets locked down inside your organization. If you need Louisa or Fred in customer services to do something, I'm not talking about micromanaging people and not trusting people, just make sure everything has to happen for the sale to happen, payment terms to the, to, to, to the customer, whatever it is, just make sure you dot the I's and cross the T's to make sure it happens. As my first ever boss in sales um, said to me, you know, you'll need to clear the last two months of every, uh, last two days, sorry, of every month in your diary for going and getting the money. So this was in the days before um, direct debits, example, were so popular, so go around and actually get them, literally get checks from customers. And I said, oh, have I got to go and get the money then? And he said, yes, Simon, a sale isn't a sale till the money's in the bank which was uh, one of my first early <laughs> lessons in, in sales. So until the product is shipped, until the contract is signed, until things have been done, it isn't a sale. And up to 20% of those, according to that research, are our fault. They're not the fault of the customer. They're not the fault of our, of our, of our competitors. So maybe have a, have a look, see what your percentages, folks. Maybe need to do some root cause analysis to find out what the problems have been that have, that have, that have damaged those sales and solve those problems and make sure they don't happen again. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I, th I think I'm done. Mr. Jessen is done. Mr. Jones, are you done? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm Sounds done. Sounds like an oven ready yeah. chicken. Are you done? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I think you can take me out the oven now. Uh, excellent. <laughs> that is, actually, that's got to be the first time I've not had any comment from the other two. So there we go. So we're clearly a new change in our hundredth episode. We're of the just making it just easy for people. <laughs> Make it easy for people to listen to the episodes. And it is very easy to access the 100 episodes, and I'll obviously, by the time this goes live, be even more than that, up on uh, the saleschatshow.com website, saleschatshow.com. They're all there. Also, from wherever you choose to get your podcast from, you'll be able to find the Sales Chat Show. So we would just like to wish you good luck and good selling, folks. It's been a pleasure, and make sure you listen in to those other episodes that we've mentioned. Thanks very much. have been listening to an episode of the sales chat show to stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success please visit saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening to this episode and from everyone here at the sales chat show we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling mm -hmm.